The Velvet Food and Drink Awards 2023 are now open for nominations and we need your votes. There are eight categories including Restaurant and Chef of the Year, Best Pub and Best Coffee Shop or Tea Room. For the full list and to nominate your favourites, search Velvet Food and Drink Awards. Nominations close on Wednesday, May 31st. And join us live on June 30th for the Gala Awards Show, hosted by our own Steffi Callister. Live and local across the city and South Cambridgeshire. This is Lee Chambers. Cambridge 105 Radio. Well, if you like that, and who doesn't, you can get more of that uh, this Friday when Midgeo plays the Cambridge Corner Exchange. And I spoke to him a short while ago in advance of that gig. He's part of the Voice and Visions tour, so I asked him first of all why it's called Voice and Visions. They're both uh, titles of songs from the two albums that, uh, that I'm focusing on this, the, uh, the, the Rage and Eden album and the Quartet album, both Ultravox albums, uh, both follow-ups to uh, the VN album, which was my first album uh, with uh, with Ultravox. So Visions is, uh, is uh, Visions in Blue, uh, which is one of the songs uh, I, I think from the Quartet album. So I thought trying to find titles for, for tours is absolutely horrific. So, so I think to encapsulate the idea of doing both albums uh, on the same night, uh, or the majority of both albums the same night. I thought the voice and the visions uh, kind of gave it uh, gave it a nice little uh, hooky title. And singing these songs that have been with you for so long now and that are familiar to us, you obviously you still enjoy performing these tracks. Oh uh, yeah, I mean a lot of these tracks I I haven't performed since since back in the Ultravox days. Uh, uh, so it's been a bit of a uh, a, a, a journey for me, a bit of a, you know, a, 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 like a delving into the archive and uh, pulling out these tunes that <clears throat> I can barely remember, uh, let alone have to have to relearn. I have to, you know, I have to ask the musicians that I'm working with, you know, what key they're in and things. So, um, so it's been a, a real adventure for me, uh, you know, delving back into it. So uh, the songs, a lot of them I don't play all the time. A lot of the songs uh, that I will be performing, yes, they're exactly what people would expect to hear when they come and see you. You'd be hung, drawn and quartered if, uh, <laughs> if you didn't play some of the songs. For me, it's been fun learning, uh, putting new things and or newer things for me into the set. And some of these songs, as you say, you might not have sung for a while. And coming at them from a, an older perspective, do they, they still stand up? Do you see different things in them? Do they feel different when you're singing them? I hate going back and and listening to what you've done in the past. I mean, there's a there's a great public misconception that the artists listen to their own material, and I, and I certainly don't. Uh, but when I do go back, sometimes you're you're really pleasantly surprised that it stood up, uh, you know, after all these years, uh, and you can understand exactly what it was you were doing, and you can remember what you were trying to do and and what you were trying to say. But other times, I'm kind of confused. Uh, it's like a different person uh, wrote the song or created it or sang it because I can see so many wrong things in them. I can see what I would have changed. But I, I'm just going to put that down to hopefully progress, you know, and that none of us are the same people we were 
you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, and I think it's quite nice to go back and go, mm, I'm not so sure. I mean, I was absolutely convinced at the time it was right. So sometimes it's a big surprise. Sometimes it's a, a pretty horrific surprise. And is that true of the sentiment of the song as well? Do you sometimes think, well, yeah, a younger man would have said that, but now, you know, I, I've had all this experience. I wouldn't think those things anymore. Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes there is an element of that. Uh, but equally so, the naivety, uh, which is what it is, you know, youthful naivety, sometimes takes you into areas that you wouldn't even delve into uh, when you're older. Um, I, don't, I don't think I could have written Vienna now, you know, if I had to start from scratch and um, and create that song now. Uh, it'd be too scary. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be a, an unknown territory. And you wouldn't want to delve that that away that far away from the mainstream. Um, so the fact that we came up with that in the in the very early stages of me joining Ultravox meant that we were just throwing caution to the wind and uh, and experimenting a bit. And Ultravox, of course, the band that most people will know you from, and as well as your solo career. But when I started researching you, Mitch, I'd, I'd forgotten about Slick. Of course, there was Slick and Visage and Rich Kids and Thin Lizzy for a while. I mean, what an amazing career. Are you aware that people bring that to your concerts, that they almost feel like they know you, they've seen you grow up in public, as it were? Uh, yeah, there's an element of that, which is kind of scary. Um, you know, there are people who who still come and see you or still, still keep in touch with you now, because they, 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 with the advent of the internet and, you know, uh, Facebook and Twitter and all of the, the social media platforms and things, people contact you, which they couldn't do back in the early 80s. They, they'd maybe send a fan letter or something to a, a record label or an agent or a management, and you never saw them. You, know, you, ne you never got them. Now they, they have a, a, an absolute connection, a direct connection with you. Um, so there are people who have been just still come and see me and still listen to what I do You know, after all this time. But there's also an, another element. There's a younger element who discovered you through you know, video games or, uh, you know, Netflix or television or, you know, TV series or movies. Uh, and, and that's a great way for someone to discover you because what they're discovering is the music, not the periphery that surrounds you when you are young and cool, you know, is just discovering a piece of music that resonates with them. And that's great. And you obviously still enjoy performing live. Oh, uh, I, I've, I remember <clears throat> taking my children when they were very young to a pantomime in Bath, where, where I live, and uh, and the, the star of the pantomime uh, obviously thought it was way below him, and he walked through it and muffed these lines and and just couldn't be bothered. And I think if I ever find myself doing anything like that on stage, it's time to hang up my guitar and walk away. I still have the same enthusiasm for what I do uh, that I did when I was when I turned professional at eighteen, and that's a long time ago. So you, you can't do it. People can tell. People can tell when you're just up there, you know, going through the motions. Uh, and I, I just I, I can't do that. Uh, and I hope that people realise that. And having that connection with the audience, you're not one of those artists, are you, who who doesn't like it when the audiences sing the songs. I've been in an audience where we were told off for singing, but some of your songs are just so famous, people are going to sing them. Well, only if they, only if they sing them better than I do, I'll <laughs> tell them off. <laughs>
<laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I, I think uh, you know. I think it's the only time an audience should be should be um, chastised is uh, is is the the new thing that happens and has happened over the last few years, where you can guarantee that fifty percent of your audience aren't really there to see you because they've been dragged along to see you by their significant other half. And it's when they get bored after the second song and they start looking at their what their the phones. And of course, from this stage, it looks like someone's lit them up from from below with a spotlight, and and all you can see is that one person looking at the phone, and that that drives you crazy. Not not the other, you know, umpteen hundred, a thousand, whatever, who are all enjoying it, but the one person looking at the phone is the one that you can see. You know, it's crazy. Now, and what about the you, you mentioned phones there? What about people who film the performances? I can tell you, as an audience member, it's really annoying when you're surrounded by these bright lights. How do you feel as a performer about that? I don't get it. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember as a as a young up-and-coming guitarist going to see David Bowie and the Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars tour. And I didn't have a camera and I didn't have a phone, but I still remember the concert absolutely intimately. It's embedded in my brain. Uh, and it, it's probably it's probably gotten better over the years, <laughs> you know, because you, you tend to enhance things a little bit. I don't know anyone who films a concert and then goes home and watches it on the phone. <laughs> you know, it's, it's 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 like a it's more a badge of honour, isn't it? They post something and go, "Hey, here I am. This is what I've been doing." You know, I I wouldn't pay money to go and sit down and look at a, a, a phone screen rather than watching the actual person on stage. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it's more about you know, you, the artist is there in front of you. Enjoy them while they're there, rather than through one remove. It seems. A, a, ab- absolutely, yeah. You're bound to miss all the stuff looking at this tiny screen, as opposed to watching the stage and just getting lost in the moment. This enormous back catalogue that that you have. Is there one song that that's your favourite that you enjoy singing more than the others? It's usually the ones that I haven't done for a while. Um, I, I kind of rediscover them. As I said, sometimes you delve back in it and you're a bit disappointed with what you've done, but other times you find things that, uh, you, the little nuggets, you didn't think of them that way at the time. And when you start performing them live, they become the ones you really enjoy. Uh, look at. You look forward to performing them. So uh, on this tour, uh, in fact, the title tracks of the, the album, the title track of, of Rage and Eaton, has, has turned into a, a fabulous, haunting, atmospheric, you know, five-minute piece in the in the middle of the set, uh, and that's just an absolute joy to stand there and sing. I didn't think of it that way when we wrote it and when we recorded it, but it seems to have turned into that, and that's lovely. And the band that you've got with you, where are they from? Well, the drummer I've worked with for the last, you know, 25 years, so he's been with me a long time. Um, <clears throat> but the other two guys, um, they're a band in their own right. They're called the, the India Electric Company. And they used to open up for me uh, various venues. You know, when I go out and do my my one-man acoustic shows, which I do every so often, I tend to give the opening spot to you know local artists. And every time I would hear these guys perform, it sounded like they had an entire band on stage because the, they had, I'd hear a violin and then I'd hear an accordion and a, a guitar and a mandolin. And, and I looked out round the, the side of the stage and there's just these two guys playing all these multiple instruments, and they were fantastic. So I, I invited them along to come in, uh, and and be part of my band. And now I've sullied them completely, <laughs> taken them away from their organic folk roots, 
and giving them synthesizers and all that. <laughs> and and they're having a ball. So they're actually doing the opening spot uh, on this tour. So they're doing their own section as uh, the Indie Electric Company. Uh, and, and dragging my drummer with them, I have to say, and then they come off, get changed, and and we're back on as band Electronica. Oh, it's the it's the least you owe them, isn't it? Having having given them synthesizers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I have poisoned them. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be with us uh, in Cambridge, 26th of May at the Corn Exchange. Uh, do you know Cambridge? You've been here before. I do. I know Cambridge very well. I mean, from even from the. Uh, you know, pre-ultrabox days. Uh, you know, Cambridge was always on the on the the touring map. The Corn Exchange is, you know, uberly famous. I mean, everybody and his brother has played the Corn Exchange. In fact, I think the last time I I was there, it was my it was my birthday, and uh, the band went out and bought you know cannolis and ice cream and and cakes from the little alleyways behind the behind the, the Corn Exchange. And came back and dressed my dressing room uh, suitably. Uh, so, yes, I've got very fond memories. Ah, oh, lovely guy. So, Monsieur, at the Cambridge Corn Exchange, part of the Voice and Visions Tour on the 26th of May, if you're interested in getting tickets, go to cambridgelive.org.uk. 11.42, running a bit late. Cambridge 105 Radio.